is that a favorite song for anyone? Is there anybody here that's your favorite hymn? I know that uh, there are a lot of people that that is a, a favorite hymn for them, and uh, it's a precious, a precious hymn, just a worship, uh, honoring, honoring the Lord. Uh, we have a few folks that are working to put together kind of a Christmas program. We have scheduled this for Sunday night, December the 20th. Uh, in that we're going to do it a little different this year than we've ever done it before. And just kind of given the circumstances, um, uh, we're not going to do a, an official cantata as we've done before. We're not going to uh, put together a, a, a program as such, uh, but we're going to give an opportunity just to sing some songs. And we're going to sing uh, together that night and just uh, uh, sing songs. If you... Uh, I have uh, a would desire, would like to sing. If you'll uh, come and, and let us know, we'll give, uh, give some opportunities for that. And there will be kind of a, a little skit that will be put together uh, that will be kind of put into a film movie form. And that is going to be shown here on our screens. And so it's going to be a unique uh, situation, I think a lot different. And it's going to be a lot of fun. We're just going to take and make use of the uh, circumstances and enjoy it and have a fun, fun time with it and be creative uh, with what we do this year in the Christmas program. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12 this evening. If you find that in your Bible, let's stand as we read together the Word of God, Hebrews chapter 12. I want to read again the verses that we preached from this morning, beginning at verse number 5, and then just continue just a bit further than we went this morning. Verse 5, And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then you are bastards and not sons. Uh, furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence, shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down, and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men, and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. We're going we're gonna to stop at that point, and then here in the future we're going to develop uh, this... this um, uh, warning against bitterness. We'll develop that uh, here in the future. But tonight, I want to look at a thought I think is so very crucial, and that is responding well to God's discipline. Responding properly. Very crucial, your response. Okay, How you respond is going to determine the benefit or the blessing of that discipline. So very crucial that you respond to God's correction biblically. Uh, with that, let us go to the Lord uh, this evening in prayer. Father, we thank you uh, again, just the wonderful privilege. We've had a fun, fun time in church tonight. It's good to sing these hymns. Our hearts 
have been challenged. I thank you, Lord, as we have sung tonight, your desire to fellowship with us, to walk with us and talk with us and to be close to us. And thank you for the cleansing blood that draws us into fellowship. And then, Lord, as we just heard in in special music, how great you are. And, Lord, we can never worship you or praise you or exalt you enough. You are a wonderful, great, and mighty God tonight. And help us never uh, to get our eyes off of that. Help us tonight as we preach. Help us to know always that you're God, that you're right, that you always have our good in mind. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And you may be seated here this evening. Uh, I want to again go back and read with you. Uh, verses 5 and 6 of Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, This teaches us an important principle that we covered this morning. Uh, And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth. And this is very crucial, every son whom he receiveth. It's evident in the Word of God that every true child of God will be disciplined by God. In fact, it is a testimony of a relationship with Christ. It is a testimony of His love. A correction, we might say, in the Christian life is a given. It's just something that is going to be a part of the Christian walk. Uh, we read this morning, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 12, where the Bible said, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. It's just simply saying to us, it's not strange, it's not unique, it's not out of the ordinary for God's children to go through trials, to go through difficulties, to go through heartaches or troubles in their life. It's simply God's way of molding us into the image of Jesus Christ. Now, we mentioned this here in the beginning. The way you respond to God's discipline is crucial. Uh, This morning we saw the exhortation concerning our response. And we saw that exhortation uh, four aspects. Uh, God said, don't forget. See, our tendency is sometimes, as we're going through the correction, uh, to get away from the Word of God. And God is saying, don't forget this exhortation. He expresses and quotes the Bible from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. And so he's saying, don't forget. And if we respond by forgetting the word of God or getting out of the word of God, uh, we put ourselves into trouble. He says, don't despise. We're not to have this rebellious attitude or this rebellious spirit towards God's correction. Uh, Then he says, don't faint. We're not to uh, be discouraged and give up and quit in the midst of that correction. Uh, A wrong response simply keeps God from accomplishing his purpose in our life. And we know, of course, the children of Israel spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. Why? Why 40 years? Well, as we study the Word of God, they did not respond to God's correction. And so they continued to go. It hindered their fruitfulness. That first generation missed the promised land because of their response to God's discipline. Now tonight we're going to examine a proper response. I want you to go to verse number 11. Again, uh, verse number 11 states, Now no chastening, for the present seemeth to be joyous. Uh, We don't enjoy it. Uh, It's grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. When we respond 
As God intends, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. It makes us, as verse number 10 expresses, partakers of His holiness. A parent or uh, an authority understands this. The way your children respond or the way a child responds to correction determines the full benefit of that correction. Uh, Maybe you've been uh, corrected in the past. If you get bitter at that correction, if you rebel against that correction, if you despise that correction, it takes more to get to that individual. Uh, I've seen cases where a child rebelled against a parent and rebelled against the correction of that parent, and then it's not long till the law gets involved. And if that child continues to rebel against the law, then it's not long until there is a jail sentence or uh, an issue with that. You've all heard the statement about the young man that his father was going to have him cut his hair. The young man said, Dad, I don't want to get a haircut. I don't want to follow your rules. I'm going to go into the army. And so often if you reject one means of correction, you end up in another means of correction. And when we despise God's correction, uh, God has to discipline and deal with us in a more harsh sentence or a more difficult way. If we respond with a humble spirit uh, to that correction of God, we are molded into the image of Jesus Christ. And God's character is developed in our life. Now, I'm going to look at some thoughts here. Look at verse number 12, and we're just going to give some thoughts as to that proper response to God's discipline, to God's correction. Uh, The first thought is is simply this. Be encouraged, or stay encouraged. Uh, We read here, verse 12, Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down, and the feeble knees. Now, the picture is given here, and this is our tendency sometimes, is toward discouragement. When the Bible speaks here of one fainting, really, under the load or under the burden of that discipline, that's the reaction of the children of Israel. Uh, There was no water. There was no food. They murmured. uh, They complained. They griped. They fainted under the Lord's discipline. Uh, Kind of the picture here of verse number 12 is lift up the hands which hang down. It gives this picture of discouragement, the feeble knees. And what he's expressing is simply stay encouraged. I give you this thought. We recognize, we know this, but very important to walk in this. See, this is my father's discipline. If I am being corrected, I'm being corrected by a loving, heavenly father. He loves me. He has my best in mind. He knows what is best in my life. I can trust Him. I can know always that He's God, that He's always right. And I can know His wonderful promise of Romans 8 verse 28 that my God works all things together for good to them that love Him. And if I can keep that focus in my life, I can stay encouraged. Now David is a a prime example of this. He was returning to Ziklag and he discovered that the Amalekites had spoiled their homes, taken their wives and children captives, took the possessions from them. And in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse number 6, David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons, for his daughters. But we read this statement, David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Everything was against David. His own men speaking of stoning him. 
his possessions taken, his wives and family taken. Uh, at this low point, when David could have had weak knees and when his hands would hang down, David encouraged himself in the Lord. And that's what God is expressing to us, no matter the difficulty or the situation, we can find that God is still on his throne and we can be encouraged in the Lord and in our relationship with the Lord. Now, let me, let me just deal with this again, and uh, you get tired of this, but uh, Tuesday's election, extremely, extremely, extremely important. There are two complete opposite party platforms. I've encouraged you to pray, and you ought to pray. You ought to vote, and you ought to vote biblically. You ought to vote for a biblical foundation, and you ought to encourage others to vote and encourage them to vote biblically and teach the principles of God's Word. But let me state this. We don't know what direction things will take. We don't know what God is going to allow to happen. We don't know at this point. And if it does not go our way, I can tell you this, there are going to be a lot of discouraged Christians. There are going to be a lot of discouraged Christians. There's going to be a lot that we're going to wonder, what about our religious freedoms and what direction is this nation going to take? And uh, there's going to be a lot of, uh, of discouragement as a result. But here's what I will tell you, is our God still reigns. Our God is still on the throne. Our God is still in control. And we can do as David did. We can encourage ourselves in the Lord. And so I want to express, no matter what happens, God knows what's best. God knows what this nation needs. God knows what we as Christians need. God knows where we are on his timetable. God knows when Jesus is coming back again. And I will say there are some things that are out of our hands, but they're not out of God's hands. And so we can be encouraged in the Lord Jesus Christ no matter what takes place. And so be encouraged. Uh, we may tend to want to hang those hands down and our knees are feeble, but I tell you this, lift up your eyes and look on the Lord Jesus Christ. He's still on the throne. Be encouraged. Uh, Hebrews 12, verse 13. Here's the second thought. In the discipline of the Lord, be faithful. He says, make straight paths for your feet lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. So many times when facing God's discipline, we get out of the will of God. And I would just say, don't use the discipline or the trials as an excuse to slack up. You see, you continue to walk God's path, straight paths, as He says, for your feet. Don't be turned out of the way. Uh, don't leave that which you know uh, what you are supposed to do. Uh, many who are facing God's discipline get discouraged, and the tendency is that we slack off and we're turned out of that path or out of those things that we know God wants us to do. Uh, here's what I, what I was, uh, would always express to you. Uh, no matter how difficult your days may become, no matter what you face, continue reading God's Word. See, that brings healing. Stay in the Word of God. Uh, no matter what you face, continue to be faithful to church. Uh, there are going to come times when you don't feel like going to church. Uh, be kind of like the, the man who said to his mother one day, Mom, I don't feel like going to school today. And Mom says, but you've got to go to school. But he says, I don't feel like going to school today. Mom says, you've got to go to school. You're the principal. And there are some times you don't feel like going to church, but you go to church even when you don't feel like it. 
Don't let that which is discouraged be turned out of the path. You make straight paths for your feet. You do that which God has continued to exhort you to do. During the difficulties, continue praying. Continue seeking God's face. That's what Job did. When Job lost his possessions, what did Job do? He bowed his knee and worshiped the Lord. He continued doing that which he knew to do. Continue giving. Continue tithing. You face financial trials or difficulties, you continue tithing. Continue giving. Continue serving. Continue witnessing. There are some times you're not going to feel like telling others about Jesus, but you ought to tell others about Jesus even when you don't feel like telling others about Jesus. Continue doing what you know you ought to do. See, often our healing comes from simply continuing. Simply doing what we should be doing, even when we don't feel like doing it. I believe that's the principle here. Uh, You're going to face trials, going to face difficulties. Don't allow those difficulties to take you off of God's path. You continue faithful to the things of God. So be encouraged. Be faithful. Uh, In verse number 14, be peaceful. This is very important. He says, follow peace with all men. Did you ever face difficulties and you felt like taking those problems out on others? Any of you have been guilty of that? Uh, It's a blessing when brethren dwell together in unity. Uh, There is an important thought here. Just as God's discipline should draw us closer to Christ for strength, God's discipline ought to draw us closer to each other. See, we're not Lone Ranger Christians. Uh, We need the companionship of fellow Christians. Uh, We need right relationships with each other. Uh, The trials and tribulations we face as Christians ought to draw us closer in Christian fellowship. I believe this is a principle that he's getting across. We've said this many times. These Hebrew Christians uh, facing trials, difficulties, loss of jobs, forced out of homes, some imprisoned, many of them martyred. And he's just expressing to them, as you're going through these trials, you need one another. That's the thought. Go back to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10, verse number 22. Hebrews 10, verse number 22. We read here, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another. Uh, During these difficulties, consider one another to provoke unto love, to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. Uh, He's expressing when you face those difficulties, rather than scattering, let the difficulties draw you back together. I was seeing some film footage of lions that were hunting, and uh, you know, of course, that Satan is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. It was kind of interesting as these lions would come upon a herd of buffalo. And as they came upon these, this buffalo, the, the buffalo would begin to scatter some of them. And then the lions would take off after one of the buffalo that got off to himself and they would devour that buffalo. And that's what Satan seeks to do in your life. The difficulties, he's trying to scatter you from the very people that God 
has given for your healing. And so don't take those difficulties out on others. Draw closer to the Lord. Draw closer to one another. Don't allow the difficulties to take you out of fellowship, but let it draw you to fellowship. And sometimes we may see people as part of the problem. We may see people as part of the reason for our suffering. You think about Joseph. It would have been hard for Joseph sold by his own brothers. It would have been very easy for Joseph to get bitter at those brothers. And then Potiphar's wife falsely accusing Joseph. It would have been very easy for Joseph to get bitter. But Joseph realized that God had his hand in it all. And Joseph realized the problem, our battle is not with flesh and blood. Sometimes we we get to battling each other. That's what's happening in America. America is being divided today. We need to understand this is a spiritual war. And our battle is not with one another. This is a spiritual battle that we're fighting. And we cannot allow in this battle for us to be driven away from the very source of God's local church that becomes the means of our strength and power in the midst of it. Don't ever Allow people to keep you from a right heart with God. And so be peaceful. And this is so crucial in verse 14. Be holy. Hebrews 12, verse 14. Follow peace without, or follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Again, holiness, this is God's purpose in the discipline. Back up to verse number 10. He says of our earthly parents, For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, why? That we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemed to be joyous, but grievous nevertheless afterward it yielded the peaceable fruit of righteousness to them which are exercised thereby. So the purpose of God's discipline is to bring about in our life holiness, righteousness, molded to the character and image of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to encourage you sometime to take the book of 1 Peter. If you'll turn there with me for just a moment, I'm just going to show you a few thoughts. Uh, The book of Hebrews, uh, penned to Hebrew Christians who were suffering great trial, And so it was uh, with the book of 1 Peter. Uh, Notice in 1 Peter chapter 1, you'll see this this thought. See, the discipline of the Lord is designed to produce holiness. 1 Peter 1 verse 6. We read, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, notice this, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Simply saying, this trial in your life is necessary to prepare you for the return of Jesus Christ. Necessary to produce holiness so that when you stand before the Lord, you can stand in good conscience before Jesus Christ. Skip down to verse 13, 1 Peter 1. We read, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation, or this is the revealing or the coming of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former loss in your ignorance, 
But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. In the context, God allows the discipline, the trial to produce holiness in your life. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you are healed. For you are as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. And so the Lord is using that discipline, the trials, those difficulties to make us like Jesus, that we might follow the example of Jesus Christ. When you're rejected, remember Jesus was rejected. When you're lonely, remember Jesus was lonely. When you suffer heartbreak and heartache, remember there's nobody that has ever suffered heartbreak and heartache like Jesus Christ. And you can go on in every aspect of your life. Go to chapter 3 of 1 Peter. Verse 14 reads, If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? Uh, here again, God is expressing his purpose in that suffering. Uh, verse 19 reads, But let, him, or let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. This is God's purpose in your life. Allow God's discipline to change you to his image. Allow God's discipline to produce in your heart this aspect of holiness, this aspect of being set apart for God. Let me just state this. You're running a race. God has a plan for you. That plan for you is that you glorify His name. See, God wants to use you to bring glory to Him. God wants to use you that His light might shine through you to a lost and dying world. And so God is allowing the trials to mold you so that His light can shine through you in a very special way. Now, let's look at one last thought. Hebrews 12 and verse 15. This is our most important thought tonight. And in the future, we're going to develop this a bit further. Uh, in the midst of God's discipline, be humble. Be humble. Verse 15 says, Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Now here's the problem. A lot of people go through the discipline, the trial, the difficulty, and instead of being molded to the image of Jesus Christ, they become bitter. 
And that bitterness becomes a root that troubles you. That bitterness becomes a root that troubles many others. There are multitudes of people that used to be faithful in church, but something happened and they got bitter. Somebody let them down. Somebody disappointed them. The preacher said something that cut deeply and hurt, and maybe the preacher was insensitive, or maybe somebody else spoke some words that were very grievous to them, or maybe in some way they got hurt, and something happened in their life, or perhaps they went through a situation, and they prayed, and they looked to God, and felt that God did not answer their prayer, and it did not come about as they thought it should have come about, and before long, they were bitter and upset at God, and they got upset with the Lord, and some even came to that point that that's the way the Lord is going to treat me. I'm going to have nothing to do with church. I'm not going to serve the Lord anymore. And this root of bitterness springs up. And that root of bitterness then became something that defiled multitudes of others. This is very crucial because no matter what you face in your life, God's grace is sufficient. There's nothing that you are going to face or go through but what God's grace is cannot carry you through it. There is sufficient grace in your life for every trial, every difficulty, every heartbreak, every disappointment, every failure. God has sufficient grace for you. And that's why the Bible says, looking diligently, you look to the Lord, keep your eyes upon Him, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. For every situation, God has grace. Now so many get bitter and they miss God's purpose. They get off track. They get bitter because they missed the grace of God. They did not find God's grace. They missed God's grace for one simple reason here tonight. They missed God's grace because of pride. And because they were not humble, they did not come to the Lord humbly for that grace. I've said this many times, you can picture God's grace as a vast ocean. The grace of God is never going to run out of supply. You can take every situation, the heartache that you face, you can take that cup to the the grace, to the ocean of God's grace, you can fill that cup. And there's sufficient grace for that emptiness, for that loneliness, for that heartbreak. It's there if you come to to the Lord for it. But the way you get that grace is through humility. And so I'm saying to you as you face the trials, be humble. Uh, Let's look in the Word of God, James chapter 4. James chapter 4, verse 6. Reads, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts. You double-minded, be afflicted and mourn, weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. You're going to find this is the principle that made the difference. When Job faced the discipline, when Job faced the trial, Job did not get get bitter because Job found the grace of God was sufficient. 
And though Job did not understand what he was facing or why he was facing it, he came before the Lord humbly. Uh, When David faced the trials, when Saul was chasing after David, when David was fleeing for his life, David found the grace of God. Read through the Psalms. David always found the grace of God sufficient for him. David did not get bitter. He got better because he found God's grace. Joseph, the reason God was so able to use him, he was not bitter at his brothers. He found grace to deal with that. He found grace to forgive his brothers. He was not bitter at Potiphar's wife. He found grace to forgive her. He found God's grace to be sufficient because he came humbly before the Lord. Friend, I don't know what Tuesday is going to bring to America, but I do know this. God's grace is sufficient. And I know that no matter what takes place, I have a God that's big enough to help me through it. Amen? I have a God that's still on the throne. I have a God that has all grace, and that grace is sufficient for whatever we as God's children will have to bear or deal with. Uh, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Verse number 6. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. And skip down to verse number 10. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Your response to God's discipline is crucial. God says in that response, be encouraged. God's God. He's got your good in mind. Be faithful. Continue to do what you know that you're supposed to do. Be peaceful. Don't allow the discipline to drive you from the local church or drive you from the very people that God has given unto you to help you through the trial. Be holy. Allow the discipline of the Lord to mold you into the image of Jesus Christ. And be humble. Come before the Lord, and in that humility, you will find the grace of God that is sufficient for every aspect of discipline. And so as we come before the Lord, no matter what happens, I have a loving, heavenly Father. He's always good to me. He's always right. He always loves me. And even when I don't deserve that love, He continues to love me. He loves me so much that he's willing to let me hurt if that's what it takes to prepare me for the coming of Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads this evening. Go to the Lord.